The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hi, this is Lisa Campion, and this is the Miracle of Healing, um, where we are just exploring different topics about, I don't know, wholeness and healing. And today we're going to talk about love. Oh my God, it's my favorite topic. And I, I'm super happy to have this um, such a beautiful guest with us, Scott Stabile has a new amazing heart expanding uh, collection of poetry and posts called enough as you are and i don't know when i i was reading it on kind of a bad day i was sort of kind of having a rough day and i i got it and i was reading it and a couple pages in i was like oh my goodness i I forgot about loving myself for a minute that's why i don't feel so good um and he he is here to assure us that our self-worth is inherent it's kind of our natural um, gig to be in a state of love all the time, except we forget. (laughs) And we need things like his amazing books to help us remember um, that we are enough as we are and that it really is all about love. And he's the author of a couple of books now, Enough As You Are, Big Love, The Power of Living uh, with a Wide Open Heart, these two beautiful books. And he's a passionate love advocate. Don't we all want to be a love advocate? That's such a good title. Um, who believes there's no force more powerful than love to create real connection and healing in the world. So welcome to this show, Scott. Oh, Lisa, I'm so happy to be with you. I feel really joyful just watching you talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, and I'm so happy to meet you. Like I've heard about you and known about you for a long time. Same. So it's really beautiful to to really dive into your work and feel your vibe and and just so really just for, on a personal note want to thank you for being a love ad- advocate and thank you for sort of this stand that you take on self-love as being such a primary backbone of your own personal spiritual journey and your own work as a as a writer yeah i mean it just it has continued to show itself for me as a primary commitment and every time I just keep coming back to self-love in all the work that I do. And anytime I'm speaking about anything, it seems like I'm shown again and again that it really, it is the foundation from which we engage with everyone and everything in our lives. It informs how we show up for everything. So uh, yeah, I'm making a lot of noise for it. Why do you think we forget about that or don't know about it in the first place? I think that's it. I don't think we are taught to love ourselves. Not really. In in fact, I think we get a lot of messaging from an early age that counters self-love, right? If you stand in your power, you stand in your truth, you announce your gifts, you're kind of shut up and told you're cocky or to be quiet or, um, and, and also we're conditioned within an inch of our lives in so many different arenas about how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to think, who we're supposed to love. And if we don't fall into that box of conditioning, we end up believing that there's something wrong with us. And that is the message that's conveyed to us as well. You either fit into the box of conditioning, and if you don't in any way, and no one can because it's impossible, um, there's something wrong with you. 
right? So we don't, we don't learn self-love. I wish that kids were taught it. I wish there were every year in primary school, there was a class through high school that focused on this. I think we'd be seeing a very different world. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in a time in education I was born in the sixties or was in school in the seventies and eighties. And, um, it was like very shame-based, you know, and parenting, shame-based educating. And I feel like shame is the opposite of love. It's like, like a hatred and rejection of ourselves, right? Absolutely. So how do we overcome that? Like, it, do we just wrestle with it or what do we do? Well, I, for me, so much of the first step to everything is awareness, like really understanding that we can establish with ourselves a deeper relationship should we choose to do so. And then also understanding it's never too late. I mean, that's the thing I like to emphasize with people again and again, is that it is always what we do from this moment on that matters the most. So if your relationship with yourself has been one of general self-loathing or, you know, for decades, okay, here we are right now. Are you willing to shift that? Are you willing to look at ways to shift it? And, and are you committed to doing so? And for me, if you have that willingness and you have that commitment, there's, there's no saying what can be created. And so my, my optimism around this lives in that understanding that, that so much is possible in this moment now. And this is all we ever have, which means that we are powerful beyond measure in our ability to create something different for ourselves. I was really struck in your work about, you know, there's like a, such a, and I think this is what hit me when I was reading it, um, that there's not this idea that we have to wait until we're perfect or wait until like the stars align or we're having a perfect day before we love ourselves, right? That's, it's more, your take is more like if we step back far enough, we can love our, even the rocky bits, even the imperfect bits, even, you know, you talk about being the weather, learning how to love the rain, you know, that's happening in the moment, which I thought was so incredibly beautiful. That particular piece really stuck with me. So I found that really like, oh, yeah, like I don't have to be perfect. I can love all the rough bits. And and yeah, absolutely. And for me, the invitation from self-love is also to, if we're able, shine love on the parts of ourselves that are unable to love the rough bits, mm -hmm. right? Like that's yeah. really the expansiveness of what self-love invites. It's just understanding for me and, and everything I speak about is really from my lived experience and, and what I observe. It's like, I, I used to go to war with myself all the time as most of us do or have done in varying ways. And I have never shamed myself into a healing place. I have never warred myself into a healing place, but I have often loved myself into a much more peaceful and much more gentle place. So whenever I'm noticing that there, that I am going to war with some aspect of who I am, the moment I have that awareness is, is the moment I feel like there's an invitation to show up differently to 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 ask the question how is love asking me to show up in this moment what is love inviting me to do with this part of myself that i am struggling with and 
love always only, I know you know this, it's like the only invitation of the heart is to love. So it's never confusing. I'm never unclear about whether I'm in my heart or I'm not, because when I'm in my heart, I'm always compelled to love. And when I'm out of it and making justifications for unloving behavior or whatever, I know I'm not centered in my heart. And for me, Lisa, I also just feel the best when I'm operating from a loving place. Like I, like I think all of us, I want to feel good as often as possible. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in alignment with the energy of love, I feel most at home in myself. So it's just another reason to, again, consider what is love asking of me. And, and also I feel like it's important to say, I'm not always loving. I'm not, I don't always respond to that question in a loving way. I don't even always remember to ask it. And that's part of being human too, right? So can we give grace to ourselves yeah. when we're not showing up the way we would ideally want to be? Yeah, there, I was, I felt this moment of deep liberation when you, in your book, you're like, it's okay to numb out for a minute. Like, it's okay to like, you know, eat some chocolate and watch TV and like do all the things that we do. We actually do as humans right? and kind of dial out of the, you know, the difficulty of being alive for a minute and then come back to it. I was, I was like, thank you for writing that. Well, I I don't know if you, if you have this experience, but I, I feel like, the quote unquote spiritual people, the the ones on the healing journey or personal growth path, um, we can be in some ways the hardest on ourselves because I, I watch mm-hmm. the ways in which I was continuously judging myself against a more evolved version of myself that didn't even exist. It was this fictionalized version of Scott that was enlightened and never needed to numb and didn't do all these things. But that wasn't the truth of my lived experience. And then I was shaming myself for not being as evolved as I would love to be instead of just what you're saying, like just acknowledge this is the human experience, right? We all do these things. How's that journey for you? Same. I mean, I'm, you know... I feel like I should be like living my life like a Jedi Knight, you know, and <laughs> I don't. How's that know? going? Yeah. Um, no, it's not so good. I have moments. I, I have moments where I can pull it off. But yeah. for the most part, those, you know, I'm just like, like everybody else doing, doing the thing and get tired and have to spend a day on the couch watching the British baking show just to like <laughs> come back to my normal, my normal state, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just so, it's, it's wild that we, that we in any way feel compelled to shame that behavior that, that we've learned that there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with doing that instead of learning it's entirely human to do that. Everyone on the planet is doing (laughs) their version of that often, you know, especially in the world we live in today where we are assaulted in ev- from every direction with information and news and things that we're supposed to internalize and interpret and give opinions on. It's just too much. It's way too it much. Is. It's sort of these ideals. And if you throw in like what we see on social media and uh, TikTok and all the things like about how you're supposed to live and, you know, um, these not very real mirrors that are being held up to us all the time and reflecting only what what people want to see, not what really is happening. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about your book, um, Enough As You Are. What inspired you to write such a beautiful book? 
Oh, well, thank you, first of all. Um, you know, I, I, Enough As You Are is a collection of writing over the past, probably probably the oldest piece of writing is maybe nine years old. So I, and it's all stuff that I, well, and some new stuff, but a lot of it is stuff that I've shared over the years on social media. And I really mm -hmm. wanted to put it together in a book that people could hold and that, you know, each day, mm -hmm. if they choose, they could just open a page and treat it like an Oracle deck and, and meditate on that message or carry that message into their day. And because I'm so focused these days on the importance of self-acceptance and self-love, it made sense when I was collecting the pieces of writing that I was most excited about. A lot of them are are speaking to that. And also, as, as you mentioned, speaking to aspects of being human that are difficult and tricky and, and aspects of my personality that I don't particularly like. And what do we do with that? and fear and shame. And what do we do with that? So because mm -hmm. I, I really have found just through sharing the way I have on social media over the years, there's nothing that I'm writing about that people don't relate to because we're all so similar. It's like when, mm -hmm. whenever anyone is sharing something honest about their experience, I feel like I get it. Even if I can't relate to the specific circumstance, I can relate to the emotion behind it because we are, we really are the same more than we are aware of or more than we want to acknowledge. I was so refreshed by the fact that your book is a series of poetry, prose. It's not a how-to. Um, it's not a self-help manual, which I've written. I've written four of those. I've written like five books in the past five years. Um, and so I can, I can write it. I can write a how to self help book like nobody, nobody's business, you know? <laughs> and, um, uh, and I was like, oh my God, this is so nice that it's poetry, that it's, you know, in little snippets and little sort of beautiful poetry, I might add, just very moving, beautiful poetry or a beautiful wordsmith. Oh, so I, I was very refreshed by this format, actually. I'm hearing that a lot and I appreciate that a lot because that really was, you know, you, you envision things for the books you write, as I'm sure you know, and then also know that you have no say over how they're received or how people use them. But a lot of the feedback I'm getting from people is how much they appreciate just being able to open up to any page and, and feel into that piece of writing for that day, instead of feeling like they even have to read it from beginning to end. And uh, I like that because it's for people, not everyone's a passionate reader. Not everyone is someone who's going to sit down with a book. And this makes it fairly easy for people to do so. And you've divided it into sort of three categories. So you have you, me, and us. Like, Can we talk about that for a minute? Like why, how you picked that? Really just looking at the writings and noticing everything I write is either in the second person. It's like you and, and a lot of those writings, what I noticed about that section ended up being, there's a lot of cheerleader energy in the you passages, like really reminding mm -hmm. people of their inherent worth, that they are lovable, that they are loved, really like that's the vibe of that section. And then the me section are all the, you know, the writings that I do when I'm in the first person, I... And a lot of those writings are much more, they're much more self-reflective. They're, they're looking at the struggles I have as a human being and how do we, you know, how do we bring some light or love or self-love into those? 
Um, and then the us is kind of a combination. It's the we, the, the we are, and there's a bit of cheerleading in there and kind of, uh, I feel like that section's a bit of a call to action. Like, Hey, let's, let's look at how we're showing up with one another. Let's take responsibility for ourselves and, and the way we impact each other. And let's understand that we really can co-create something more beautiful should we choose to do so. Hmm. So good. I'm, I'm, don't want to give this away, but I'm going to give this book to my people for Christmas. I'm oh, thinking about, I'm like, you. I've got like 10, like, I hope my people aren't listening because they, now they know what they do. Now they know what they're getting for Christmas. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I just, I just felt so many people would benefit from, because I think we struggle so hard to figure out how to really love and accept ourselves. Oh my goodness. Everyone, everyone. And, and the thing I want to say is, well, one thing I want to say if you want those books signed, reach out to me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. But uh, the other thing I'll say is that I really want to emphasize that it is within our power to transform the relationship we have with ourselves. Everyone can relate to struggling with self-love. Everyone understands what it's like to have a self-abusive mind, a critical mind. We all know this. We all live with this. And And by the way, my mind is still the mind I've always had. I've gotten really good at loving myself. I feel that in general, because I've practiced at it for so long, there is built within me an, an almost instantaneous response to my mind when I see that it's going on the attack of just this voice that's like, hey, honey, don't forget you're beautiful. Don't forget you're worthy. You are, you're enough. You know, it's like that is, it's, it's, it's built in now. And, and I feel like with practice, with willingness, with commitment, with showing up for yourself in a more loving way, with paying attention to the ways that you actually are loving yourself. I feel a lot of people tell me they don't know how to love themselves, but I think we take for granted a lot of the ways that we actually are. As an example, mm -hmm. if you're brushing your teeth in the morning, you're loving yourself. If you're pouring yourself a cup of coffee or making yourself a cup of tea or preparing yourself a meal or putting on clothing that makes you feel good or cleaning your home, these are all small examples mm -hmm. that matter a lot. Like we take these things for granted when in fact, each one of those things is an act of self-care or an act of self-love. And so one of my practices that, that helps me is, and I don't do this all the time, but when I remember, it's like, Sometimes I'm like, look at you, you're brushing your teeth right now. This is you loving yourself. And so instead of believing the lies of our mind, when it's telling us we never love ourselves, we're instead aligning with our hearts in those moments and just reminding ourselves, hey, this is me showing up with self-love. And the more you do that, the more it invites more of those moments. And for me, any minute I'm spending reflecting on self-love is one minute less of the mind's self-abuse. And it's like wow. money in the bank. That's so beautiful. I love that. It's a beautiful practice. I want to hear so much more about it, but let's take a really quick break. Okay. We are back with um, Scott Stabile talking about his book, Enough As You Are. So, Scott, would you be willing to read something from your book? I would love to hear you read it. I would love to read something, and I would love for you to intuit what we're going to read. So you, between pages 2 and 219, 
What page would you like to hear? I would like to hear page 108. It's my favorite number. 108. Okay. <laughs> Knowing what I know about you, wait till you hear the first line of this page. This is so, it couldn't be more perfect. That is too funny. I'm super fucking sensitive. I love this about myself only slightly more than I can't stand it. Sometimes I wish I were an unfeeling stone who didn't take everything so personally and didn't need so much space all the time. Feeling can get exhausting fast. Mostly, though, I know my sensitivity is a superpower, perhaps my greatest, and it's the thing that keeps me loving our world in a profound way, when I'm not too busy hiding from it, that is. Oh, my God. That's crazy, right? <laughs> That's totally crazy. <laughs> That is wild. <laughs> What's enough? Wow. Pick, pick a page for the listeners. Okay, page 22. 22. Okay. What you behold as beautiful is a reflection of the beauty within you. You cannot see what you are not. To lose yourself in the radiance of a golden sunset is to find inside yourself a light no less luminous than any miraculous sky no less incandescent than a thousand blazing fires. Wow. So How beautiful. About I'll pick you a page. You want to do a, tr a yeah. trilogy? Yeah, let's, let's do a trilogy. Gonna, pick I'm a page. Gonna, pick one for yourself. I'm just going to scroll until it stops. Okay. It. Well, I'm going to... Okay. We live in a beautiful and insane world. The media focuses almost exclusively on the insane aspects, and we in turn come to view our reality as only cruel, violent, and hopeless. We are not doing a disservice to others by turning off our TVs or shutting down our devices and choosing to meditate, write, go on a walk, connect with friends, or do anything we want that creates a bit more peace within the chaos. When it feels like the reality of our world is just too much, we can still remind ourselves to control what we can control, to return to our breath in this present moment, and no matter what, to keep seeking the beauty here too. So that was 178 and then 179 because it was a spread. This is short. It just says, sometimes the very best thing about a day is that it's over and that tomorrow brings with it a brand new start with new possibilities. I don't know, Scott, like when you read it and, you know, I just feel my heart open and soften and melt, get all melty. And oh. it's like that kind of like beautiful moment. If you don't know if you're going to laugh or cry, it's like that, like stretchy, joyful, heart open place um, that I, I just, that. yeah, that's what, how your work really landed on me and continues to. So, wow. Just thank you again for, for writing this these beautiful reminders about love. My pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing that. It touches my heart, really, truly. Mm -hmm. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe the one I, that you picked, 108. That is wild. Right? I know. That's so it's crazy. It's like you planted I mean, I, it on that page. <laughs> I, I did. I mean, I wrote a whole book about being an empath. You know, I know. Called that's energy, why it's go, so go Energy healing for empaths. That's just like, that's sort of where I, tr like, I try to pretend I'm not sensitive, you know? Um, that's like the part of me that's like, oh, but Jedi Knight, I can uh, do this, you know? Uh, but really, the truth is I am yeah. super sensitive. <laughs> well, probably you are too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I just also really like resonated with one of the themes that you bring up in your book a lot. That's sort of like living from our truth, speaking our truth. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means to you? Yeah, for me, a lot of that comes back to conditioning again, like looking at the places, looking at the ways in which we're responding to life, the the words that are coming out of our mouths, the thoughts that we're thinking, the the actions we're taking. I think it can be incredibly important and helpful to consider, are they coming from a conditioning place, a conditioned place, or are they coming from an authentic place? And as much as possible, if you find that you're showing up from this place of conditioning, can you shift to a response that feels more authentic and honest to who you are? Because as we all know, to varying degrees, when we're able to show up in our authentic self from the place that feels most truthful within us, there is a certain sense of liberation that comes with that and what the the relationships, the circumstances, um, the realities that we're able to invite into our lives from that place are wholly different than the ones that come mm-hmm. from showing up in falseness. And it's very yeah. easy for us all to show up from a more false place because it tends to be safer to do so. You know, as I was talking about these boxes of conditioning and what is acceptable to society and the world, when we are playing the acceptable role, um, we tend to feel safer, but we're certainly not freer. And we certainly don't invite into our lives the benefits that come from honoring what is most true for us. So that's really, I know that that theme of living in your truth, being in your truth, that comes up a lot through the book because- Mm -hmm. We're talking about self-love, but how do you love yourself if you're not willing to be yourself? It's like, who? I, that's one of the writings I say, like, who is it you're trying to love then, honestly? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, of course. And I, I don't know. I think, like, we just have to get conditioned that way when we're growing up. It's like we don't have a choice. You know, we just get shaped by the forces around us, molded into being whatever we need to be, right? Sort of a survival thing. And then we become young adults and we, uh, you know, we start trying to figure out who we really are. It's like kind of waking up out of a bad dream, you know? And I think it takes a lot of bravery and courage to reach down and to find out who you really are. Absolutely. And I think it's a lifelong journey. I mean, it, it can be so difficult to transcend conditioning. Like I, I sometimes make the easier choice. I don't pretend to be someone who's always in my deepest truth and authenticity. What I can say honestly is that I'm more authentic than I've ever been. I feel like I represent what is most true for me more often than I ever have. And sometimes I don't. <laughs> like sometimes I'm, I take the the easier road and don't speak what feels most true for me. And again, that's that's part of this human experience. And I think that I do believe that it's it's a lifelong journey. The um, being with our conditioning, really reflecting on, wait a minute, is this real? What is coming out of my mouth right now? Or is this just what I've said for 30 years and it no longer reflects what feels most true for me or maybe never has? Mm. And if that's the case, what can I do about it? Right? It takes courage. Like you said, it takes a lot of courage to stand in your authenticity and reflect that to the world. But my God, is it beautiful? And my God, does it inspire others to do the same? Absolutely. I was just thinking the same thing. It's so breathtaking when we see people do it. And oh, yeah. that's what I felt about your book because it's very 
it's very raw in some places, very revealing, but I also found those to be the most touching and beautiful, impactful parts for me. Oh, thank you. So Scott, how can people find you if they want to buy your book? And do you work with people? How, if you do, how, how does that look? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, you can find me a few ways on the like Instagram, Facebook. Yes, my website, scottstabile.com. I have a Substack newsletter. Um, so if you want like fresh writings from me, that's scottstabile.substack.com. And you can reach, do I work with people? I do limited one-on-one -on -one work if if it's a real resonant yes between both mm -hmm. parties. Um, you know, you can reach out to me about that. But I'm going to be holding a uh, retreat with my good buddy and your your friend or good acquaintance, mm -hmm. I don't know how close, um, David Gandelman uh, in Bali in May of next year. It's called Sacred Bali. And we're going to be doing breath work, meditation, and just deep personal exploration. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. David's such a goofball and we have a lot of fun together. So, oh, it sounds yeah. like I can't think of anything more fun than going to, to Bali and hanging out <laughs> with you too. So I hope everybody, well, don't everybody go because I want to go, but you know, everyone who wants to go, I'm sure will find that beautiful trip. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find me easily. Just, you know, do a Google search if you're curious. Thank you so much, Scott, for being here. And thank you again for sharing your yourself and your work in the world the way that you do. Lisa, this has been so lovely. I'm so happy that we finally got to meet and connect like this. You thank you for having me yeah. on. And thank all of you guys for tuning in. I'm so glad you could be part of the conversation. Remember to subscribe so you can keep up with all the beautiful things we're doing here, you know, on this podcast. And thank you for being here today in the miracle of healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on mindbodyspirit.fm. <laughs>